Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight, and our topic is repent. And if you can't hear it, it has an exclamation point on the end of it. Repent. That's what we're talking about. We're doing five uh, wrap-up sessions. I want to read you the statement in case you hadn't heard it before about what's happening with these Bible studies. Unfortunately, after tonight, there'll be no more new episodes of the Spirit and Life Bible Study for the foreseeable future. Much as I love and cherish the Bible study, all my energies are needed for the next phase of my beloved day job, editing Swedenborg's works. And I will have the pleasure of editing Swedenborg's largest Bible study ever, called Secrets of Heaven, 15 volumes. Mm. But the 300 plus episodes of this Bible study will remain available for viewing. And uh, please know this wasn't an easy decision for me. Don't do it lightly. Very grateful to all the viewers, subscribers, helpers, and donors who made this possible. I'll miss it, and I'll miss all of you a lot. So that's what we're doing, and tonight, so we've been doing a series of wrap-ups. There were five topics to this Bible study, the unity and trinity in God, the nature and purpose of the first coming, nature and purpose of the second coming, the word, and tonight is salvation. And so this is a summary of just teachings that we've touched on this Bible study on salvation, and it seemed irresistible to title it, Repent. Uh, let's look at where this comes from in the Bible real quick as we get into this. Let's look at Matthew in the New Testament. Did we say the prayer? Oh, I guess we didn't say a prayer. Let's say a prayer. That'd be good. Thank you. How, how soon we forget. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together in your name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this Bible study. Thank you for the love that you place in our hearts for each other, for you, and for your word. Amen. 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 Sending love to those of you here in this wonderful room <clears throat> and on the phone, getting the audio and out there in online land. And... Uh, Let's go to Matthew 3. Thank you. Matthew 3. Uh, John the Baptist's ministry actually begins before Jesus' ministry. And this is what, because he, you know, he was going to be the forerunner and everything. And this is how he started. Note the first word of his ministry. This is Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. Sorry, I'm a little distractible oh, tonight. That's all right. Okay, Understandable. 3, 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the first word of John the Baptist's repentance and it, uh, of his ministry. And it wasn't the last time he mentioned repentance. He mentions it quite a bit. He, people are asking him what to do. And he says, you know, bear fruits worthy of repentance and, and so on. And then in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus begins to, begins to preach. And what is the beginning of his preaching? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, he's in perfect alignment. Repent is the first word of Jesus' ministry. That's how John the Baptist's ministry begins. That's how Jesus' ministry begins. It's also how the uh, apostles, when they went out evangelizing the world, this was a major part of their message, was about repentance. Okay, well, what does repentance mean? We had a show a while ago that was called Repentance, 
the details, which was fun. In fact, I even think we had a couple called repentance, the nouns, and repentance, the <laughs> verbs. Um, <laughs> so you can look for those. But I would also recommend to you a website, good friends, put together by my colleague uh, Mark Pendleton called beginanewlife.info. Beginanewlife.info. He's got, I've started to use this for my own repentance every time now because rather than trying to remember the steps myself, it just walks you right through. It's got paperwork you fill out, takes a couple of hours, and, and he just guides you through the process, which is really awesome. So I recommend that to you. And um, so, and the first part is, the short story is self-examination, then identifying to see if something that you find in yourself and not only in your behavior, like level one is behavior, but level two would be your thoughts, level three would be your desires, what you would get away with if you could, and looking at those things to see if there's any evil in there, uh, asking the Lord for strength, con you know, confessing the situation of the Lord, asking for strength and prayer to live a new life, and then just go out the next day as if you were all on your own and try to live without that behavior understanding that it will sneak back up on you because it can't just go, one, you can't say boo and it just goes away forever. You have to kind of say it a, a couple of times and, and mean it. So you will be tested a little bit with that. But starting that practice and keeping on going with it, it's the kind of thing that's designed <coughs> to be done. Swedenborg says a couple of times, uh, you know, once or twice a year type of thing. Uh, I like to do it at Easter and I do it at Christmas time. And do it uh, if you have a chance to take your communion, the Holy Supper, uh, shortly afterwards. That's supposed to be really good, too. And I like that. And so that's kind of a little nutshell of the practice of repentance. And let's read some scriptures about why we, would, uh, why we need repentance. What is going on? So I just selected some favorites here. Let's go to the middle of your Bible where you find the Psalms. And if you turn to the right, there's Isaiah. And let's go to Isaiah 59. This is probably the most succinct explanation for why we need to do something. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I love that, that it, it's not that he has sort of a short or wilted arm, or he can't quite, sorry, I can't quite reach it, love to help you, can't do it. No, that's not what's going on. He's able to help, and it's not that his ear is, oh, sorry, I couldn't quite hear your prayer, you know, I'm pretty old by now, and I can't hear your prayers anymore. No, he can hear just fine. So what is the problem then? But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's right. So that's our problem. Our sins block the Lord's face from us. Our sins are something that get between us and the Lord, and that's why we need to repent. That's why we need to look for those sins and then lay them aside. Uh, that's a, a very important thing. Uh, can you go back to 1 Kings at the end of the five books of Moses, then you have First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. I want to go to 1 Kings 18 just be dipping all over the place tonight. Uh, so Elijah's been asking, you know, there's this big contest. Is it God or is it Baal? Who should we serve? And what does he say in verse 21 there? 
And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Not a word. <laughs> That's right. But I like that falter, the old King James, how long halt ye uh, between two opinions, sort of like walking with a limp or so, you know, you're limping back and forth because we have freedom. We have a choice. So the Lord is good. His arm is not shortened. His ear is not heavy. He can hear us. He can save us. But we need to do something. We have freedom ourselves to opt in. Uh, so, um, and a reason that we need to do this, if you turn to the New Testament and go back to Hebrews, which is sort of halfway between the Gospels and Revelation, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because this explains a very useful thing about the nature of sin and why repentance is so important. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in the middle of that first verse there, it says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. I think there's a link there, and Swedenborg says there's a link between that weight and that sin. Sin, don't people say, isn't it sort of a joke? You're picking something up. This thing is heavy as sin. Uh, sin is heavy. Swedenborg says, by its nature, it falls into hell of its own accord because it's so heavy. And you've heard things about the Last Judgment where they weigh your heart and see whether your heart is light or heavy and, and all that kind of thing. That sin is heavy. It's a burden. And what does the Lord say in Matthew 11? So turn to the left. Go back to Matthew 11 about burdens. Uh, 28 and 29, 30 there, <coughs> the end of Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, and so it may be talking about being, you know, heavy laden in various different ways, but I think it's talking about being burdened with sin. If you realize, oh, I'm carrying so much of the weight of this sin, uh, I really need to give this to the Lord. And the Lord says, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. A very familiar passage, isn't it, friends? And... Uh, what else here? Uh, okay, Luke 13 is uplifting. Uh, turn to the, Luke uh, 13. Gives you some good motivation for your repentance. Uh, some people came and asked Jesus about a couple of events that had just happened in the news of, of the day. And how did he respond? Let's hear this at the beginning of 13 there. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Yeah, I don't know the story here, but Pilate had slaughtered these Galileans while they were there making their sacrifices. 
And so they told him, Jesus, have you heard the, the word? It was really awful. All these people got killed in, in this public setting and everything. And what does Jesus say? And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I thought, maybe, I was hoping that that was the explanation and that would be why it didn't happen to me because maybe those Galileans were bad and so that's what happened. And then what does he say? Uh-oh. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Mm, all is an interesting word there too. And unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, something about in correspondence is the way we'll perish will be like the Galileans who are, who are slaughtered by Pilate, you know? Is that love of self or something? Is that something from hell that, that will kill us spiritually? And then uh, he <coughs> mentions another item in the news at that time without them even bringing it up. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. In the correspondences, there's something about if we don't repent, we will, either Pilate will kill us or a tower will fall on us. Pilate corresponds to evil there. The tower corresponds to falsity. Uh, you know, one or the other is going to get us if we don't repent. And the Lord's always trying to balance things, and so he says the evil side and the falsity side adds that additional story there. Uh, pretty chilling. You know, unless we repent, we will perish in a similarly disastrous way as those people who suffered that terrible tragedy. Wow, okay, okay, that wasn't as uplifting as I thought. Um, uh, <laughs> another reason that we need to uh, repent, ooh, let's go into the Old Testament. This is kind of a tough one to find. If you go back to the Psalms in the middle of your Bible... Then turn to the right just a little bit. You go through Proverbs and you get to Ecclesiastes. I want to go to Ecclesiastes 11, verse 3. It's the second half of this verse I'm particularly interested in. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And? And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. That's right. Where the tree falls, it lies. Whether it faces north or it faces south, it's not going to turn around after it's down on the ground. It's not going to go, oh, suddenly point in a totally different direction. Wham! Tree comes down, that's where it lies. I think the thrust of that, uh, I imagine this is the way most people read it, is that where we are at the time of the end of our life, where, where we fall, if we're facing north or we're facing south, South being a better direction in the correspondences of it, uh, that, that's, the, that's the way the tree lies. Uh, so, in other words, it's urgent that we start our repentance while we're alive in this world. We don't have to finish, but we need to start. And let's talk a little bit about that. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's see what, what order to do this in. Uh, okay, let, let's go to, into the New Testament and uh, go to Revelation, and then back up through John and Peter and get to James. James chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, let's do 7 and 8 there. 
In James, James four. four, seven, and eight. Very therefore, important information. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Yes. Listen to those verses. They're so powerful <laughs> to me. That uh, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil... You know, so that's kind of a repentance thing. And it starts with the shunning of evil, right? Like resisting that evil. And he will flee from you. And then, who makes the first move in verse 8? Does we God do. get close? Oh, no, we do. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And you would think, well, why doesn't God cleanse our hands for us? No, he said, you cleanse your hands. You sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's how we draw near to God, is we have to make the first move. Uh, while we're here, let's go next door to Revelation 3. So it's just down the road a little bit. Revelation 3, verses 19 and 20. Another great repentance passage. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. I think the implication of 19 mentioning repentance and the Lord saying it's because he loves us that he rebukes and chastens us, and therefore we need to be zealous and repent. How do we open the door in verse 20? I stand at the door and knock. And listen to the Lord's attitude. Isn't it amazing that he does not barge down the door? Uh, he doesn't pull us outside or something. He just stands there and he knocks. And if we hear his voice and open the door, then he'll come in. And it sounds as though the way we open the door is through repentance. It makes sense, doesn't it? And we have to make that first move. So how do we draw near to the Lord? Well, we do our repentance. That, then we draw near to the Lord. Then the Lord will draw near to us. So it's so important. All this fits with the whole idea of freedom and that it's up to us to make that first move. Uh, so we've got sin that stands in the way of the Lord, but the Lord can't just barge it. He's not going to barge down the door. That's not his order and take that out of us. We've got to get rid of it, lay that aside, and then there's room for the Lord to come in. I want to tell you something, uh, you know, just a little digression here. Um, it's been so long since I wrote some Greek on the board. Metanoieta. Uh, uh, that's repent. And interestingly, this is from metanoo, and meta means change. It li literally means after, but it's, you know, sort of a before and after. After, and then N-O is like noose, like your mind. Uh, this is after, you, like, <coughs> do, your, do your mind over, you know, do a mind over thing. Uh, change your mind. Uh, don't people say, oh, it's a meta-narrative, like that's a higher thing or something. And, uh, and this is a present tense imperative, this eta ending, present tense imperative, it's uh, just interesting in Greek. Uh, this will explain a little quirk that I have to some of you friends who are familiar with the Bible study. Uh, a present tense imperative, there are different kinds of imperatives in Greek, and there's an aorist imperative, which is one-shot action. It means 
do it. But this is not aorist. This is present. And the present in Greek has an ongoing or repeated action feeling. Why does JSR say keep on repenting? Because it's more, I defend myself by saying, it's more faithful to the Greek. That means keep on repent. Don't just sort of, oh, I did it once. Yeah, I, I did that when I was 32. I don't have to do it again. No, keep on repenting. Present imperative. On and on and on. Re repetitive, repeated action. So very important to keep doing that. Well, why would that be? Oh, let's look at Exodus all the way at the beginning of your Bible there. Second book in. Want to go to Exodus chapter 23. There's a little hint here. It's in correspondential language, but I love this. In verses 28 to 30. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. If you understand the correspondences, those are different enemies. Those are different sins within us that we have. And so the Lord's going to send hornets to drive these out of us. But then he explains this. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Oh, mm -hmm. you see, if you drove the people out, maybe the wild animals think, oh, okay, there's no people here, so the wild animals move in. So he's not going to just drive, he's not going to do it all in one year. Boom, all of a sudden, oh, they're all, go oh, that's great, they're all done. No, he says, I'm not going to do it in one year. What is he going to do? Little by little, I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and you inherit the land. Yeah, and the land there is, is heaven. It's a heavenly state. It's a good heart. And so the Lord is going to gradually remove these evils from us. That's why we need to keep on repenting, not just do it once, because it's going to be a gradual process. The Lord's, you know, okay, you've repented of your Hivite this year, but you've got to get your Jebusite next year, uh, you know, and the Canaanite and the Hittite. Canaanite, um, uh, the Lord is, uh, the Swedenborg encourages us to pick one evil at a time. Just, just one thing. You may see, when you do your self-examination, you may see 18 things that may horrify you or whatever. We're still encouraged to pick one. You don't even have to pick the worst one. Just pick one because you'll see progress in all these different areas. If you start to work in one area, the Lord will quicken it and start to give you success in some of these other areas. And he tells us, I'm not going to get, even if you wanted me to, even if you begged me, I'm not going to get rid of every single thing. Swedenborg says this bizarre statement that the angels actually protect our evils and falsities sometimes. They actually maintain them because they're an important part of our superstructure, you know, uh, and you can't just tear them all out at once. We'll be gutted. You know, so let's just remove this thing now. We'll get, we can get to that. There's time for that. We can get to that later. It's a gradual process. There's a dirty rumor going around Christianity that you can be saved instantly. Well, that's not what I see in the Bible when it says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, that's a process over time. And little by little, he's going to drive those, those enemies out. Um, Here's another reason. Uh, let's go back to the New Testament all the way to the other end of your Bible, jumping all over the place. If you go to Revelation, then I want to back up to the epistles of John. Let's go to 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 8. It's a shorty. 
but a goodie. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's right. And how about verse 16? You just multiply that one. 4, 8, 4, 8, 16. Okay. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Yes. So God is love. This is another reason why we need to repent. Not only are our sins heavy, but we, of ourselves, Swedenborg claims, of ourselves, we, we are not actually the origin of love for our, our neighbor. We feel that a lot. We feel it from earliest childhood and so on, but we're not the source of that. And can, if you're honest with yourself, can you not see, good friends, that sometimes you feel cold-hearted toward your neighbor? Even sometimes perish the thought a little angry or frustrated with them and that, that type of thing. Uh, the, the Lord is the source, and that's not incompatible with love, of course, but the Lord is the source of love of the neighbor. The Lord is the source of our love of God, especially the love of God. Like, where are you going to get the love of God? We don't have that love. We don't even know who God is. Uh, that's why we need to repent to make room for this love to flow in from God. So uh, that's another reason why we need to go through this repentance. It's very important. Um, another simple reason I would say to repent is because the Lord asked us to, and he really, I don't know, it's kind of the main thing he asked us to do. Just just do this, do this thing for me, would you? Let's go back to Ecclesiastes. That was so fun. Um, in the middle of your Bible, the Psalms, then head right through Proverbs to Ecclesiastes. Let's look at 12, verse 13. If you understand that, that the Lord's commandments include repentance and that those ten commandments about thou shalt not kill and steal and commit adultery and so on, that is like a little recipe of how to repent and what to repent of. Uh, look at 12, verse 13 in Ecclesiastes. Okay. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Yes, the conclusion of the whole matter. Uh, Solomon's been giving this whole sermon in Ecclesiastes, and then here we come down the home stretch. What is it? Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. Mm. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Yeah, that's, and in the grand language of the old King James, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. So repentance, this is our duty. Uh, this is the whole job for us is to do this. And this is something the Lord can't do for us. He does with us. It's the, really the first time we form a partnership with the Lord is in that act of repenting. But we have to go through that. And a couple of other reasons why we should keep on repenting. We have to keep on repenting because it's not instantaneous, as we heard before. There's a gradual purification. Uh, another reason to keep on repenting. Uh, let's go back to Hebrews. So halfway between John and Revelation there, the Gospel of John. Uh, Hebrews... Uh, 12, it's right after what we were just reading. This is intense. 12, verse 4. This one gets me. It sounds a little different in the New King James than the Old King James. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Yes. 
the old King James, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Swedenborg says that we are placed in either heaven or hell, not just by our degree of devotion. Like you're placed in heaven, not just by how much you love things that are good, how much you embrace things that are true, but also by the degree of your opposition to what is evil and false. If we're only mildly opposed, then we just go to a milder heaven. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. The Lord wants us to be really all in on this thing and, and get rid of this, not just sort of, I mean, it's okay sometimes. On the weekend, it's all right, isn't it? It's okay. It's fun. Um, no, resist, resist until you bleed, you know? You have not yet resisted unto bloodshed, striving against sin. Very important that we repent and that we keep repenting. Because if we haven't yet gotten to that point where we feel like we're bleeding, like some of our lifeblood is flowing out because we shun that evil that we love so much, keep going until you hit that point. Uh, because it's, it's very, very important. Uh, and another reason to do it is a, a wonderful, so there's reasons to do it for ourselves, that this is how we lay aside sin. Uh, there's reasons uh, sin is heavy because this will help us see the Lord's face. This will help us feel like our prayers are being answered. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it say, all these things shall be added unto you? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Doesn't it say that, uh, let's look at Joshua 24, that's so great, in the Old Testament. So you go through the five books of Moses, and then you've got Joshua right there. I want to go to 24 and 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that nice? I just like that. It's up to us. Just choose who you're going to serve. You can go with the Amorite program. They've got an attractive program, good health benefits and so on. You can go back on the other side of the water or whatever. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And the Lord, Swedenborg says that the Lord wants a complete and total submission. You know those passages in the New Testament about how you can't serve two masters. You can't sort of love them both. Well, the two masters are really our own self-centered and evil desires and then what the Lord wants for us. And the Lord doesn't want us to be partly our own and partly His. He wants a complete and total submission. Uh, really, really important teaching. So he wants us to go all in with this uh, repentance thing. Really throw it. We only have to do it a couple of times a year. Only have to pick one issue to work on. But do throw yourselves at it uh, because it's so important. At the very least, get started. Make a start because it will start to move after that. And some other kind of cool points that come out of this that I just thought of this morning are, uh, let's see, what do I want here? I want, uh, um, I think it's Luke, Luke 15. Let's go to Luke in the New Testament. 
We're playing ping just, pong tonight. What's that? We're playing ping pong. Ping pong all night. That's ping, right. Ping, ping. All over the place. That's right. <laughs> and so, um, let's just <coughs> cut to the chase down there in verse uh, 7. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Yes. Uh, let, we'll read some passages in a moment that suggest that there are no such people. But, uh, but still, uh, it think of that. It causes joy in heaven. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for your neighbors in this world. But heaven gets a big bang out of us doing repentance. They love it. You know, and I would dare say that the more of a sinner, you know, he who is forgiven much loves much, uh, the worse we are, the more they, oh, you're making headway. This is great. Huge joy than over 99 just people who need no repentance. Um, uh, also, Look at a Ezekiel. So this is in the middle of your Bible. Again, then turn to the right and go to Isaiah, then Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel. Try to arrange these topically rather than biblically just to make things more difficult for our dear reader. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ezekiel 18 talks about how the Lord feels about it. Uh, what do we want here? My notes are incredible tonight. Okay, verse 23. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Yes, and verses 31 and 32 lay it out again. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed. Yes. And get yourselves, get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Yeah, get yourself, we've, we've got to do that work. That's right, get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Mm. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore turn and live. So that implies, it's negative, but it implies that the Lord has great pleasure in those who do turn. I get zero, it's no fun for me uh, if people go to hell. It's just, it's just not fun at all. Uh, but I get great pleasure uh, by implication, the Lord says, when you cast away all your transgressions, you know, when you cast them all away. Let's look at some other all passages about repentance. I think there's just two I wanted to look at. Um, okay, go all the way back to Revelation again. And then back up to the left through the epistles of John and get to Peter, Second Peter 3. Verse 9, I think we just read this last week. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's another rumor going around Christianity that repentance was just for the Jews, but not for Christians. We've got another sort of method. You know, the, the Christians can... Just believe in the Lord and that'll take care of it. You don't really need to go through repentance. That's not what I see there. Peter was the Lord's apostle. Don't think he mistook that message. He says the Lord doesn't want, isn't that Luke 13, 3 again? The Lord doesn't want anyone to perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. You know, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And I believe it's Acts, so turn to the left and go back to Acts, which comes just to the right of John. Go back to chapter 17, where Paul has a similar statement. It's really, really beautiful. Verse. Uh, let's start from 28, just because it's the best, and go down to 30. For in him we live and move and have our being. That's right. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Mm. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. So he's speaking against the idolatry. He's over there in Athens at this time and talking to people about all these statues and so on. And he says in verse 30, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. So, dear reader, would you yes. say that that's just an elite small group? I would say all men and women everywhere. Good. And I like that addition you put in there, dear reader. Yes. Because, oh, there are some wicked women in this world. Yes. All people. Yes, all, all people, people everywhere, everywhere to repent. Yes, the Lord commands all people everywhere to repent. The Lord could sort of put up with the idolatry in the past, but it's real. this is an all-in, this, this is for everybody. This is not just for a certain group. And one reason for it is that really if sin runs its entire course, if we just let ourselves go with killing and stealing and so on and so forth, uh, the human race is capable of wiping itself out. Swedenborg could see that if the Lord had not come into the world, there would have been this mass slaughter and destruction. Uh, so the survival of humankind, uh, certainly we can do some damage to the, um, to the planet as well. Uh, let's just read one more like this. Go to the right and you'll go through, you know, Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, Colossians, First uh, and Second Thessalonians. I want to get back to First Timothy. If you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, let's just read verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, same deal. Repentance for all, salvation for all. That's, what, that's the Lord's desire. He's not going to get everything but he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know, he, he won't get 100%, I don't think, but he get, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, so he urges us all to re repent. Surely, friends, that's the whole purpose of the commandments. That's why we have the Bible, and it's such a basic beginning. If we can start with repentance, uh, then the Lord can lead us through what's called reformation, where we get new thoughts in our minds. Uh, then he can take us through regeneration, where our... Did I say reformation? Then regeneration where our hearts are reborn. Uh, he can lift us up into a more heavenly condition. And he can, through us, through the individual, uh, reform the world, you know, make the world a better place, have more and more angels, bring a heaven on earth. That's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. And repentance is the beginning, it's the first step of all this. Swedenborg says that you may be born in the church. But until you start repenting, you are not 
a church yourself. You're not, you don't have the church in you. It starts when we start to lay that aside. And partly because you start to see the mercy of the Lord in a different way. Before I started repenting, uh, I really felt that God was very demanding. And I believed in God, but I thought he was demanding, judgmental, and angry with me. And I fell short all the time and all this kind of... And we had sort of a testy relationship. Just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean it's a good relationship. Uh, but... Repentance really helped me realize, oh, he's so merciful, and he's just trying to lead me out of this evil. Uh, that, that sense of partnership and the Lord's love really comes, comes clear through doing that kind of um, uh, repentance. So I want to summarize this in the following way, if I may be allowed to. Good friends. Uh, and, and we'll wrap up pretty soon. Okay, so I would say, speaking of myself, Speaking of all of us, speaking of everybody, uh, this is the message. This is the core message of this Bible study. Uh, this is what the Lord wants from us. The Lord says to us, repent, because where the tree falls, it lies. Repent, because we have to choose. Repent, because sin is a burden to us. Repent. Because sin hides the Lord's face from us. We have to repent because we have to make the first move. The Lord can't do it for us. We have to repent because we, before we go through that, we're deceived by evil. We don't even know what evil is. Falsity lies to us and tells us that evil is good and that good is evil and that, that falsity is truth and truth is false. We can't even tell which way is up until we go through that repentance. We have to repent to even come into that clarity about what is good. And if we do repent, that is how we open the door to the Lord. So let's repent so that the Lord can open that door. We need to repent because God is love. And this is the only way we can receive the love of God. It's the only way we can receive the love of our neighbor. We've got to do that. We have to repent because... Uh, um, because the Lord asked us to do this one thing for him. We need to keep on repenting because only little by little is he going to relieve us of this burden. He can't get rid of it all at once. We need to keep on repenting. We need to keep on repenting because that's exactly what the Lord commanded us to do and John the Baptist and all those others. Keep on repenting. It's so important. And the Lord desires the salvation of all and doesn't want anybody to perish. So we need to repent, because otherwise we perish, and the Lord desires that death of no one. And repentance is so important. We need to keep on repenting until we feel like we're bleeding, we're doing it so hard. The Lord wants a total submission, and not that we may be partly our own and partly the Lord's. We need to keep on repenting, because this is a gradual purification. It's not an instantaneous salvation. We need to repent during this lifetime because where the tree falls, it lies. And we still have time while we're in this world, friends, to turn the tree in a different direction or whatever the metaphor would be. Uh, uh, but we need to repent. If we start now, we can keep going. In fact, Swedenborg says it goes on to eternity. But it's very important. And so repenting is so important for us so that we can lay the sin aside, so we can see the work of the Lord, we can start to have a new heart and a new spirit, and cleanse our hands, purify our hearts, 
stop being double-minded people, stop being sinners in the same way. It gives us humility. And an awesome thing is that if we do it, the angels get so much joy. They get more joy out of one sinner who repents than 99 just people who need no repentance. You know, at least purported people who need no repentance. <laughs> and do it for the Lord. The Lord, take, he has no pleasure in the deck of the wicked. That's what the whole thing is set up for, is for the Lord to form a partnership with us. He stands at the door and knocks. Everyone he loves, he rebukes and chastens in the hope that we'll do the repentance, open that door, so the painful experiences we go through are designed to bring us to that point of realizing, you know, I need to change. The Lord wants to lift our minds up so we can see, oops, there's stuff in my heart that's not right. I need to change. And as we open that door, just even a crack, it's actually the truth that the Lord helps us open that door and then He can come in. He wants to dine with us. He wants to form a reciprocal relationship. And that is His highest joy. Love wants to love and love wants to be loved. Imagine having an infinite need to love. That's God's position. What is it like to have an infinite desire to be loved. His greatest joy, and if I understand my theology correctly, he's really, really good at joy. The Lord's greatest joy is when we give ourselves to him out of our own free choice. We could have chosen not to, but we worked at it as if of ourselves. We went through that process. We followed the sheets. We go through the repentance tried to lay those things aside, examine ourselves, and then as we go through our daily walk, keep an eye out for those things. If they sneak back up, try to push them back down again, pray for the Lord's help, get that strength. Only the Lord can actually do it. Only the Lord has the power to conquer hell, but He cannot do it according to His order unless we take that first step. And so, when you think about the situation that our world is in, the situation of our nation, the other nations of the world, what's needed on this planet. Repentance is so fundamental. This is how we can bring heaven to earth. This is the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer, that we repent. That's how the Lord's will is done. That's how his kingdom comes. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So, good friends, as you might have guessed by now, if you only hear one word out of the Bible, <laughs> let it be the word repent. And if you only got one word out of these 342 episodes of this Bible study, let it be the word repent. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Woo! Let's close with a prayer, shall we, friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven, one God of earth. We thank you, Lord God, for bowing the heavens, coming down into our world, going through the full process yourself, showing us how it's done, teaching us to daily take up our cross, the cross of repentance and reformation and regeneration. 
It might bring us through temptations, but you are surely, Lord, delivering us from evil by this method, and this is the only method. We pray for your help, Lord, with our repentance. Teach us how to do it. Doesn't matter if we get it right the first time. Inspire our hearts to do it again. Pretty soon the process starts to take over, and it works us. This is your nature, O Lord. And we present ourselves to you in freedom and asking for your help. And thank you, O Lord, for this Bible study. It's been a blessing. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting and reading, friends. God bless. Amen.